Greetings, and welcome to the East Village Times Podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. How are you doing today, Patrick? I'm doing great, James. How are you? I'm not doing too, uh, not doing too well. Same, same old story, but I'm fighting on, and uh, we're happy to have uh, Derek Togerson here uh, from NBC7 uh, uh, NBC San Diego. Uh, he's the lead reporter for NBC7 Sports Wrap. Um, how are you doing today, Derek? I'm all right. How are you, boys? Uh, not doing too, uh, just uh, battling, uh, battling the good fight, if you will. I'm Keep doing... it up, man. Keep it up. I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're excited to talk to you. There's uh, been some interesting information uh, going on. Uh, we're generally a Padre podcast, but having you on uh, gives us a little bit of time to talk about some Charger football because uh, our site does cover the Chargers as well. Um, big news going down yesterday. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Chargers uh going after the downtown area. Well, I'll give you the thumbnail version because I can probably fill up, you know, seven or eight podcasts with, uh, with all the different thoughts I have about that. But uh-huh. I think that it, it's a good idea. It's, it's not really anything new that we hadn't thought the Chargers were going to be trying to do in the first place. I think it's, it's in some way dismaying because the Chargers came out with, this is our idea. This is what we want to do with the convention center. This is where JMI is going to come in to help us. And then you get to... Well, the mayor and the county supervisor saying, well, I, okay, we'll see if we can work this out. We're not sure. And then Comic-Con coming out and saying, we haven't talked to these guys. I don't know. I, I mean, we, of course, would like the, the different kind of convention center. But, you know, that, that we're, we're surprised to hear that we were even you know, mentioned in this. And it just goes to show that even though the Chargers and Mark Fabiani and Dean Spanos were telling us ad nauseum, we need a united front. We need to have everybody working forward on the same page. They obviously have not gotten united front. I'm not even sure that they've tried really to get a united front. They seem to have this myopic, egomaniacal look at, well, this is an NFL idea, and the NFL rules the entire universe, so of course everyone's just going to jump on board with us. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just shows some level of tone deafness with what's going on around everywhere else in San Diego's community, and I, did, it, I don't know how they're going to get all on the same page if they're not actively trying to get on the same page instead of just pushing their own agenda. Is it a great idea? Sure, it's a great idea. I'd love to see it happen. The problem is I, I fear the steps they're taking to make it happen are going to alienate the other people you have to have in your corner to make it mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. There's there's a lot of fans that are already uh, in bad um bad relations with the Chargers, if you will, and this is only going to, you know, streng- make it a little more strenuous, and, you know, in in my opinion, Dean Spanos should be doing all that he can in order to, you know, gain the graces of, of the fans that he lost, and, you know, going this route and, and being a little deceptive, deceptive is, is really, uh, it's really uh, troublesome, if you will. Yeah, but is anybody surprised? I mean, it's sad no. to say, but is anybody surprised? No, no, not at all. I mean, no. look, Patrick, Patrick himself, uh, you know, was a former Charger fan. I, I I can't speak for him now, but you know this this whole past off season is is put a, a you know damper on a lot of fans' uh, perspective of the team. Yeah, and rightfully so. And and it's it's really dismaying that Dean still has not apologized to the fan base. Yeah, I yeah. think if you if you really want to win back these people and win back these fans, you need to show some contrition and say, listen, I'm sorry I put you all through this. Even even if he's not. Even if he's not, he needs to say, listen, y'all, sorry I put you through all this. I hope we can all move on. And it's, it's as simple as that. And he still hasn't done it. And I'm not sure if he 
if he realizes he needs to or if he just doesn't want to or what the deal with that is. Yeah, he, the Chargers clearly have their own agenda. Uh, I'm not sure anybody knows what it is, but they, they clearly are doing things uh, differently, if you will. Yeah, differently <laughs> differently and interestingly, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Patrick, did you have any thoughts about the Chargers uh, that you wanted to convey to Derek? Um, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've already pretty much rescinded my fandom. I mean, even if he came out and said sorry at this point, I think it's a little too late for, for that sort of thing because, I mean, it's already so far so far gone, and the, the arrogance is just so apparent that it's just like, why should I care as a fan at this point? Yeah, there's a, there's absolutely a lot of a lot of that, and I think a lot of fans are absolutely right in feeling that way. Um, now, what I'm concerned or not concerned, I'm I'm curious to see is when it gets around July, training camp starts up. There's going to be football in San Diego another year. I'd like to see how much the emotion of that moment starts to draw some people back in because I know it's going to heck. It'll probably happen to me. So that we'll see how much bitterness is still around right now. And then uh, how much that is still pervasive when it gets to gets to July. Yeah. You know, it's hard. I've rooted for the team my whole life. I've lived here my whole life. And, you know, it, I'm a positive person and I'm a positive fan, but it's just, they're, they're really tr- trying my patience to be honest with you. Oh, they've completely, they've tested everybody's patience. Yeah. They've tested, they've tested their own patience. They've tested the politicians' patience. If, if there's someone's patience that could possibly be tested, they have tested it. Yes, definitely. Uh, did you ever get your interview with uh, Dean Spanos or a response from him and, and the Chargers? You know, that's interesting. I have been asking Dean for a while for, uh, for an interview, or at least going through the, the, the PR people to try and get one. Uh-huh. And uh, even before he did any of the other interviews with anybody and uh, got a, well, he's traveling or, well, we'll see. And then all of a sudden he's popping up in other places. And I keep hearing, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can make it happen this week. We'll see if we can make it happen this week. Um, I, it, it's starting to feel like he's just ducking people who don't want yeah. softball questions all day. Exactly. Yeah, it, it definitely has that feel to it that he doesn't want to talk to anybody that's going to give him uh, hard-hitting questions or or ask for that apology for that matter that, uh, you know, he just, he needs to be more sincere if he really wants to get this thing done, in my opinion. Well, he needs to realize he's at the point now that he cannot control the narrative. He's Mm -hmm. that, that train has sailed, if you will, to steal a great Austin Powers line. There's (laughs) no, there's no way he can, he still is trying to control all the information and, and all the flow of it. And he can't do that any longer. He's lost that ability. So once he comes to that conclusion and realizes I'm going to have to answer some questions I don't want to answer for some people that I don't want to talk to because I don't like them very much. When he comes to that conclusion, then I think we can start moving forward. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's something that, that needs to be addressed and and hopefully that uh, he he makes that at the, that realization that he just needs to be a little more sincere and just be heads up and and honest with the fans. Uh, Not something I expect to see from him, but you know, it can only, it can only help the situation. Yeah. We haven't seen it yet, but you know, I I still, I still do hold out hope. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. uh, Give me your quick thoughts on the, on the Eric Weddle situation. Um, It's been something that, that has also just been a lot of turmoil for Charger fans. He's, he's a fan favorite. Um, you know, seeing him leave and the way he left was is a little bittersweet for some fans. Some fans were a little upset seeing him make such a big deal about the last game, but really not mention much about the potential of the fans last game. So I know a lot of fans are a little uh, perturbed with him, if you will. Uh, that he was he was put in a tough spot. 
I mean, yeah. he was put in a real tough spot by the by the franchise and the organization. I think he made his uh, uh, said his goodbyes during that game at the queue on the 20th, that one against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. He was, and after that, being put on you know, IR without even a chance to try and play that last game in Denver, that was that was the last straw. So mm-hmm. he, I mean, I, I can totally see where he was coming from at that point. Just, I can't deal with any more of this right now. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Sorry. Um, he, if you want to, I think the fans should remember what he did and in that last game at the queue and how much time he spent out there. That's the relationship Eric Weddle had with the fan, the San Diego fan base Mm -hmm. that I think at the end, it was just more sour grapes. And I think frustration from all sides blowing over. I think that that's a, that's not even going to be a blip on the radar when, when the whole thing's said and done it descend. I don't know how or why it disintegrated with the team the way it did. I don't know what was going on in the inner workings of the front office. I just know that neither side handled it all that well. And Eric's can certainly not devoid of fault here as well. It, it, just, it wasn't working, but it, that the bitterness goes between the franchise and the player and the agent. The fan base is not drawn into this at all. Eric loves a fan base. The fan loves him. Fans love him. And there's, there should, there shouldn't be any anger towards him whatsoever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, it's just I think just frustration over the the Chargers' um, treatment of him. It, it's something that's typically done with the Chargers uh, when it comes to Seau, Rodney Harrison, Donnie Edwards. Uh, oh, I wrote a whole story about this about the Chargers don't know how to break up. No, they don't. They, they, <laughs> I, I mean, they really don't. It goes back to and it, it goes back to LT. I mean, Dan Fouts, exactly. Kellen Winslow. Exactly. Goes, how far back does that go? They just they just don't know. How, even when Clyde owned the team with with JJ. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they for some reason this franchise doesn't get how to just have a gracious parting with its star players. I yeah. it's astonishing to me. It, it really is. It's you think that they would have something worked out with them to you know get a, a you know a nice goodbye and a cordial goodbye, but they just seem to just cut the cut cut their their ties with them and, and just walk away. And uh, it's frustrating for the fan base for sure. Yeah, it's not. It's not even you know cut ties with them. It's the way they cut ties. It's a it's, there's never a you know listen we 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 love you. We love everything you've done for you here for us here. And it's it's just we just need to move on from from a business perspective. We got to start bringing in some of these young players. But thanks, and we wish you luck in the future. That would be great. We don't get that. We get oh well, he's past his prime. Rodney Harrison, he's past yeah. his prime. He can't play yeah. anymore. Well, now he goes and wins Super Bowl somewhere else. You just look stupid, and you've alienated a fan favorite. So now it's yep. a double whammy. It's the way they handle it that just does not make anything resembling sense. No, I, I hear you. I, I see a lot of a lot of people saying that Weddle's going to go on to great things after this, and, and I can totally see it as well. It's just it's tough. If he lands in the right situation, you never know. Yeah, and you never know. Unfortunately, I see him as a patriot, and that that really breaks my heart. Oof. I uh, yeah yeah I hear you. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah it makes your skin crawl. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, just mm. yeah. I, yeah. That's don't <laughs> don't hit me with that right now. I'm already yes. I'm dealing with yeah. too much. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, let's segue into the Padres now. Um, what do you think their take is going to be? Uh, if the Chargers are able to get a downtown stadium done, you, you think that they're going to be uh, a little upset over it, uh, having to compete with um you know, concerts and, uh, you know, monster trucks and stuff like that. 
Well, Ron Fowler has been open and saying we would like to help them get this done. They're very into the community of San Diego. They want to be able to do what's best for San Diego. Um, I don't. I think that they took over monster trucks, and this, this is just a theory I have. I have absolutely nothing to back this up. Uh, monster trucks and motocross and all those things. I think they took those over partially to to, to spur people to get a new football stadium done because while Petco Park is a phenomenal facility and I love that place to death and it's awesome for a lot of things, it's not conducive to Supercross. It's not conducive to Monster Jam, things like that, because you need that more more circular view from everywhere for those types of events, right? Mm. For concerts, Petco Park is fantastic. And I think you're not going to put a lot of concerts into a new football stadium. And this isn't the eighties where, you know, Bon Jovi and Def Leppard are selling out arenas with a hundred thousand people. And that, that, that just, that doesn't happen anymore. Those types of acts don't exist anymore. They want the more 35, 40,000 kind of more intimate settings that, that that's you're seeing with Petco park, you know, Billy Joel, the stones, Taylor Swift, McCartney, the list goes on and on. So they're, I think the Padres would like to have, that down there and, and on some level because it's not at that point competition is you're giving people more entertainment options and now when more people are downtown and more people are coming down there well it helps a ton for everything involved down there petco park included so i think the padres would help in several capacities uh with trying to get something built down there Plus, I mean, you're, you're, you're creating more parking spots for them down there at that point anyway, because they're going to have to deal with the parking situation. So, I mean, it helps with people getting to and from Petco as well. Yeah, I definitely think it should be a mutual thing between the two parties because, obviously, you can only benefit from having the Chargers there as well, like more traffic, more people, more parking, more development. All, it all goes into, it's into making downtown a better area, not only for the, the Chargers, but for the Padres as well. So it kind of goes both ways, as you said. Yeah, it's I, I look at you know have you ever been to Seattle where you have Safeco Field, Convention Center, CenturyLink Field, and on, I, you go up there on a, a Sunday in September when the Mariners are playing and the Seahawks are playing, half the state of Washington is right there in downtown Seattle. Yeah. It's even even on a drizzly, crummy Washington day. It's still it's 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 a party down there. It is amazing. You got street vendors. You got people playing music. You got like I I envision that mm-hmm. in downtown San Diego, and that would just be beyond tremendous. And by the way, when the Super Bowl comes here, where do you think the commissioner is going to host his dinner? At Petco Park. Yeah, you know, definitely. It's gonna, so Petco will also benefit from having a football stadium close to it as well. Yeah, I think it'll be a huge. A huge boom for the whole economy, not only the not only the Padres, but really all of downtown San Diego. Well, of course. I mean, how could it not be? Yeah. Now it's gonna it's it's gonna absolutely suck getting that thing built because you want to talk about traffic and, yeah. and stuff going. It's I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a borderline nightmare during the process. Yeah. But once it's all said and done, if and again I'm just you know we're going on if any of this actually happens. Once the process is is completed. I, wow. I mean, just it, it could it could be potentially phenomenal. And and even as much as I hate quoting Mark Fabiani and in, in, in a press release, <laughs> in, an unparalleled and unmatched entertainment venue in America. Just given yeah. the weather that we have and the ability we have to put parties on in San Diego. Yeah, they'll be wanting Super Bowls here every year. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oof, that. 
there it would be it would be on as the kids like to say it would be on (laughs) all right so let's uh transition a bit into more i guess about the padres um i want to know your thoughts on the offseason so far um how how the team's looking for next year just how you feel about all that well obviously they're not uh taking the big high risk high reward tack that they took last year i think you know aj and I, and I still, I mean, a lot of people are down on him for what he did. I will never fault him for what he did because, I mean, the worst case scenario is what happened. And the worst case scenario is they lost, but they still built so much goodwill with people and just saying, hey, listen, we're going to try. We're yeah. going to try and win. You know, but it, did it fail? Sure. But at least this time they failed, but they tried. Before they failed, and you could tell they weren't really trying. So that was at least a step in the right direction. This year, I mean, the NL West is stacked. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not sure how the Diamondbacks are going to do because they they could be this year's San Diego Padres, so they could be the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks, where you get a bunch of hired guns and it all comes together and works wonderfully. You, you just you just don't know, but again, they're certainly making a run at stuff. The Dodgers are going to be good. The Giants are going to be good. The NL West might be – it's top-heavy, but the top three might be the best top three of any division in baseball. Mm-hmm. So the Padres are going to take some lumps. I think what they need to do is find what their their core is going to be. And they can start working on that by, you know, is Will Myers your everyday first baseman? Do you have something that we all hope we have in Tyson Ross and Andrew Kastner? Do we have you know, some of these younger guys that are coming up? You know, Travis Jankowski, eventually Hunter Renfro will be up. Do we, do we have what we need to have to build for the future? Is Austin Hedges or Derek Norris our guys for the future? Can we move one of those guys around? What this year has to be for the Padres is because, let's face it, they can't compete for the playoffs right now with what they have. Mm-hmm. So what they need to do is say, okay, we're laying the groundwork which guys are we going to keep long term? Which guys are, are really are our top prospects? What do we really need to do? What positions are we really going to be set out for the next six, seven years? This this is a, a more or less a gigantic tryout year in my estimation for the Padres. And I'll tell you what, though, one thing that I'm really excited about with this team is Andy Green. I love this guy's approach. I love what he's doing. I love the fact that he named Tyson Ross, the opening day starter on the first day of training camp. I know a lot of guys don't like that. A lot of people don't like that, but I loved it simply because it sent a couple of messages. One was, if we have a decision that needs to be made, we're not going to pussyfoot around here. We're going to make the decision. And two, it shows confidence in Ross and Shields and Kashner, but it also says, Hey guys, you're our top three. Start freaking acting like it. Mm-hmm. show us you need you need we gave it to you now the pressure is on you to be those guys to be those leaders they're putting expectations on these on these players that i really don't think has been there for a very long time so that's that's encouraging as well i think andy's setting a brand new tone he obviously knows the game i'm, I'm curious and, and, and interested to see what kind of an in-game manager he is remember he's the only person in the history of the southern league to win manager of the year two years in a row so this guy obviously knows what he's doing. His attitude seems to be great. He's got a good grasp of what's going on in that clubhouse. I think the AJ Preller made a very, very good decision in bringing that guy in because he could be one of those future studs. Yeah, I definitely. You know, I agree with your assessment as far as uh, this year being a tryout year, if you will. 
Um, I, I think they want to find the correct ball players that fit for the type of uh, managerial philosophy that Andy Green has. He's he's going to be very aggressive on on uh, on the base pass uh, with his defense, with his positioning, and and I think the team needs to find players that uh, benefit that type of managerial structure, if you will. And and I, I too am very excited for Andy Green. He he speaks well of himself and speaks well of the team and and speaks a lot about uh, chemistry and and playing as one and as a team and. And we all know that baseball is the ultimate uh, team sport, that you need to have everybody pulling in the same direction. And uh, it's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, baseball is really the one game where, well, that in golf, where your pure physical ability can't just take over portions of games. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and tennis, you know, whatever else it is, if you're just a flat-out better athlete than the other people, there are times and moments in games where you can dominate simply because of your athletic ability. Yeah. Baseball, that doesn't come into play nearly as much. Baseball is, is such a technical, you know, specialized game that you're right. It's you, you have to have everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing or else you're, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And, and this is what I'd like to see the Padres really start to do because after a decade, I think they're starting now to figure out how Petco Park really plays, even though the giant scoreboard and all the construction around there has kind of changed the dynamics of that ballpark. Mm-hmm. But you look at what the Royals did. The Royals built a ball club for Coffin Stadium. I mean, it has the biggest outfield in all of Major League Baseball when you're talking about square footage. So they finally figured out, get us some really speedy, really good outfielders with a little bit of pop. You know, they also got guys who don't hit a lot of home runs. Who was their leading home run hitter? Like like 22 or something like that, right? Yeah. They, but they hit the ball in the gaps, and they just – everybody up the lineup, bam, 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 yeah. bam. Everybody up and down could hit. They could all find gaps. There was no black hole in the lineup that you're going to find yeah. in most other lineups. They, they figured out how to play in Kauffman Stadium. It took them 30 years to do it, but they finally <laughs> figured out what to do. The Padres need to build – a team for Petco Park. And I know they've talked about that a, a lot over the years, but they still have never done it. You know, they've never been quite able to figure out just how Petco Park plays, just what they need to do to have it. They thought when they were getting Carlos Quentin, oh, right-handed pull power will kill in Petco Park. Right-handed mm-hmm. pull power will kill in Petco Park. Well, it didn't happen that way because they just throw them, you know, off-speed stuff on the outside part. You can't pull the ball all day. Mm-hmm. Right, they they need to figure out what to do in that ballpark and get those guys. And if they can really start to figure that out with the help of AJ Preller and Andy Green, then we'll really be on to something. And and that's something they have to tr- start figuring out this year as well in this tryout year. Is okay, they're a little bit smaller, they're a little bit faster, put more balls in the gap, stop striking out so darn much, yeah. and get yeah. guys on base. Yeah. That's the kind of that's the kind of team they're going to have to put together. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It was frustrating last year with all the strikeouts and, and all the potential, uh, you know, rallies wasted with double plays and and just weak at bats. You know, there's nothing more than as a pet peeve for me than seeing a major leaguer go up there and just give away an at bat. And I saw that consistently last year from numerous amount of players where they just be one, two, three, you know, uno dos adios, and they're out of here. And, and that's just frustrating to me you know at this level when you're talking about someone like Justin Upton or something like that and just giving away at bats you know it's it's frustrating as a fan base seeing that you want them to 
you know, make contact to put their best foot forward and, 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 you know, play well. But, you know, the team was what it was last season. It is what it is. And and you can't, uh, we just got to move on if you will. Oh yeah. As as an entire team, the situational hitting was just, it was abysmal. It was just abysmal. I mean, we, we called it the, uh, kind of jokingly in the sports office, uh, time for the Padres corollary. The Padres corollary is in any given situation, whoever's at the plate will do the worst possible thing they could do in that situation. Yeah. (laughs) It it seemed like that last year. It really did. It it, it played out far more often than we probably all care to admit. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Um, okay, Derek, do, doing a little bit of research on you, I, I came across a piece that you wrote for Padres Public regarding Tony Gwynn. Um, mm-hmm. It was an excellent piece. And uh, what year was that that you wrote that? Oh, gosh, a few years back. That was before uh, before he passed away. Oh, oh, that was before he passed away. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you talk, talk to me a little bit about uh, about Tony and uh, any other interactions you had with him or any chance you had to pack his, pick his brain. Uh, boy, not a whole lot of, of, you know, really one-on-one kinds of interactions. I wasn't here until 2004, until after his, uh, 2005, after his playing career was already over. Mm-hmm. So it, it was all, um, with him, with San Diego State, um, or, you know, just doing some general broadcast stuff with the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, I mean, like, like everybody else says about Tony, just, you could just see and feel the, the, the warmth coming off of that guy. You know, it was just, he was just, he was a, he was a joy to be around. I mean, even if after the first time you got over the fact, holy crap, I'm talking to Tony Gwynn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, he was just, just a, a, a dude, you know, yeah, yeah. just, just a, just a great dude. And it's, it's, you know, I was just over at uh, Ailsmith over the weekend looking at okay. uh, how they're going to be putting together their, uh, their new Tony Gwynn museum. And the the energy even that fans have for him nowadays. I mean, the fact that they ha- can't sell that beer outside of San Diego County, even though other distributors in, in New York, you know, mm-hmm. in Colorado, they they want to get that beer in because people love Tony Gwynn so much. They can't produce it fast enough because people in San Diego buy it just because yeah. a, it's a good beer, but yeah. b because it's because it's Tony's beer. Yeah. You know, yeah. you drink you drink it to honor the man. You know, it's it's he's just just such it's it's amazing that so many people feel like he's from san diego didn't grow up here wasn't born here but he's he is of san diego because of what he meant to this place you know it just it's just a just just a great guy yeah no definitely he's he's definitely always in the hearts of, of a lot of padre fans and it's uh you know how how was the the things at the uh ale smith museum how's that coming along is that uh looking pretty nice or yeah they got the space all cleared out they're going to start building it they want to have it done before the all-star game um, and it's it's it should be really cool. Cool, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to checking that out. And you know, anything to to see uh, pay homage to Tony Gwynn is is definitely a, a good thing in my book. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, okay, you know, you spent a little time in Philadelphia going through your bio. Uh, I want to get your impression of uh, Philly fans opposed to Padre fans. <laughs> Do Padre <laughs> fans ever bring batteries to the ballpark? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not not for the not for the use of, of Philly fans, that's for sure. No, no, the only batteries Padres fans bring are the ones in their phones. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's yeah, no, it's 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 wow, just it's so it's so different. It's like it's, night and day, I would imagine. It's well, Philadelphia fans are just the most unique people on the planet. It's and the best way I can I can describe them is, um, well, two ways. One. They love people who work hard. They more than they love superstars. 
Larry Bowe will always be more popular than Mike Schmidt. Mm-hmm. And Moses Malone will always be more popular than Julius Irving. That's wow. just that's just the way because those were the down and dirty, did all the dirty work kind of guys. Because in Philadelphia, Rocky Balboa is a real person. All right, that that man captures the essence of Philly. Right, that's they they it, they. I see a lot of people think truly believe that Rocky Balboa incarnate is Philadelphia. Right, <laughs> yeah. but if you're talking about their teams, they are so hard and negative on their teams. But it's like a uh, a big brother and their little brother, all right? I can beat the crap out of my little brother. But the second you touch my little brother, I'm going to destroy you. Yeah. That's how they are with their teams. We can talk all the crap about our teams and say how horrible they are all day long. The second somebody who's not from Philly or not a Philly fan says that, you're going to get whipped. That's how they are. We can hate our teams. You better not hate our teams. We love our teams, and we can tell our teams how stupid they are. You better never say how stupid our teams are. That's the Philly fan. It's it's the most interesting dichotomy of a person I've ever I've ever seen and met. It's and I, you know what I love them for it. It's just, it's the strangest thing. But they're they're honest and they're bitter and they mm-hmm. and they just there's no other breed like them. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love passionate fans, and, and they definitely have that. But they can go a, a little extreme. But you know, it, it is what it is. And, They've they've built up that stigma about their fan base and it's uh it's it's alive and well if you will. Oh yeah, it passed down by generation. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Uh, Patrick, did you have anything for Derek right now? Any questions on him? Yeah, I just want to talk to Derek about a little about the All Star game. I guess what are his thoughts? Uh, what he's looking forward to? Just that whole situation. Oh, the All Star game is awesome. It's uh, it's gonna it's that's that's the only way I can put it really. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> it's gonna be it's really really fun. Um, the whole weekend, the, starting with the futures game on Sunday, is it's 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 tremendous. It hasn't been here for a long time. It's never been here in this you know capacity the way it is now. What it's grown into now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the All Star game. Yeah, I think it's definitely gonna be great for the city, uh, not only for the team obviously, but the whole area. It's just gonna be a great great weekend week really. Oh, absolutely! Hey, fellas, tell you what—I got to get the uh, the kids the tennis lessons here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bug out. Sounds good. Sounds good, Derek. Thank you so much for for uh, for coming on, and uh, we'd love to have you on again if you ever have time in the in the near future. Absolutely. Anytime you guys ask, I'd love to do it. Awesome. All right, Derek. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye bye. Well, folks, there we go. We had a brief uh, little conversation with Derek Togerson, uh, NBC Seven Sports Wrap. Uh, give him a follow at at Derek NBC San Diego. Um, you know, it was interesting to talk to him uh, about Chargers football as well as the Padres. Um, your impression, uh, Patrick? Yeah, as much as I hate the Chargers, uh, he had a lot of good points about kind of what needs to be done, I guess, to get the team back yeah. in the good graces of the city and of the fans. And I think it really made a lot of sense uh, what he had to say about the downtown area, too. I think if something can be worked out, it'll definitely be one of the, the premier spots in all of sports to go watch football slash baseball. Yeah, no, the Chargers are shooting high for the downtown stadium, and you know, it's it's going to be a, a long, long battle. There's there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, hurdles to go over, and uh, you know, all we can do is is hope hope for the best. Um, you know, ultimately the Dan, Dean Spanos and the, and the Chargers really need to to uh, burn to just kiss kiss some babies and go out there and and, and just make things right because there's a lot of fans that are that are still pretty perturbed with the team. Yeah, I demand a handwritten apology. 
Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, I, I'm not. I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah, I saw that they had sent out notes to some uh, season ticket holders, which was which was kind of cool. But at the same regard, it's not just the season ticket holders you need to apologize to. It's yeah, I've never been to a game, and I still want an apology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I've been a fan for my whole life, and I, I want an apology. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Okay. Uh, pretty pretty uh, exciting news. Uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, the full squads are there as well. I, I saw um, Alexi Ramirez uh, taking some batting practice. Uh, John Jay taking some batting practice today. So, uh, folks, we are here. It is baseball season, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Okay, just a completely unrelated note. Yeah. But, but do, did you hear about Alexi Ramirez, how he has five kids and what their <laughs> names are? Yes, I did hear that. Oh like, they all have Alex in their name, basically. Yeah. It's like Alexei, Alex, Alexander, Alexia. Yeah. I was laughing so hard with my dad yesterday. I was like, very, very George Foreman esque right there. I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> Those poor kids all have practically the same name. Yeah, yeah. That'll def- that'll definitely be an interesting topic to to cover this season. Oh, certainly. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of media types will have fun with that. All right. So, is there any other Padre news we didn't cover? I'm not sure much is going um, on. No, I think we are pretty much up to date as far as covering on the podcast. Um, it's uh, it's exciting time. Uh, Padres are, are are in full effect. Um, you know, I would expect to see some more uh, signings here and there uh, for the team. Uh, Linscombe, I believe, is having his um, his showing later on. Uh, I don't know if it's this week or next week that he's uh, having his showcase. But the Padres are. Oh, I think go I ahead. Heard first week of March somewhere okay. In there. Okay. Okay. It was supposed to be midway through February, but you know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So the the Padres are are linked to him as 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 are 20 other teams, I believe. But, you know, it's it's tough. The team, if if Linscombe could agree to a incentive-based contract, I think it would be a, a decent pickup for the team. Yeah, I think I, I definitely would like to move. I'm, I'm definitely waiting for it to happen, hopefully. I mean, obviously he needs to prove he's healthy, but I think if he does, it's kind of a pretty low-risk, uh, high-reward sort of move. And that's kind of what the theme has been, I feel like so far this offseason like you sign Rodney not too much money I mean if he performs mm-hmm. he'll, he'll pay him more but he'll be worth it mm-hmm. uh, same with Ramirez he's got a, a small deal and he could perform over what he did last year I mean it's just taking low risk and I, I like those sort of moves especially when the yeah. team's in the position it's in definitely definitely and, and there's still some decent free agents out there uh, Pedro Alvarez uh, David Freeze uh, players just, that we've that we've covered on on, on uh, East Village Times as far as potential uh, find decent fits. You know how well, I feel about Pedro Alvarez. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. But I, again, I think that's along the lines of a value pickup. You know, you pick yeah, him definitely. up, and he has a hot first half, and and they could deal him or something like that. Yeah, oh. pay him a couple mil and see what happens. Well, hopefully it's not a couple mil, but we'll we'll see. I don't know. I think he's probably worth maybe three, four. Yeah, he, it, ultimately that's what he'll probably get. Um, and then Freeze maybe a little more, but I'm I'm actually surprised Freeze hasn't signed because he had a pretty good year last year, as I wrote about obviously. Yeah, a few weeks back, yeah. I'm kind of surprised he's still around. I, I am too. The the third base market, uh, free agent market, was really, uh, really sparse this season too, and, yeah. and he just never really got a, a sniff by anybody. Yeah, I think that if Solarte wasn't, I guess if Solarte wasn't in such a great position like he did so well last year, I'd, I'd say just sign Freeze. But I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Yeah, it, it's it's just a matter of of dollars and cents and and things like that. And you know, I wouldn't expect anything to happen, but you, you never know with AJ. I, I think at this point he's probably concentrating on arms and, and bullpen arms at um at this point yeah yeah definitely i think it's more of minor stuff here and there minor league signings that sort of thing like greg reynolds skip schumacher 
uh, yeah. Nick Noonan, all those sort of small signings. Yeah, the Jansen signing was was a was a. Oh, decent... yeah, Jansen. Yeah. They have a lot of bullpen arms, though, man. Yeah, it's like fifteen yeah. guys that could get a spot theoretically. Seriously, you know, with with those three Rule Five guys, you know, the odds of of all, you know, all three of them aren't going to make the team. Possibly one might. So you know, they they do have some open uh, spots on the forty man roster once once they uh, once they make a decision on, on on those pitchers, if you will. I think they should keep uh, Perdomo just because I think he's got the most potential long term. Yeah, he definitely has the highest ceiling, but the fact that he hasn't pitched over a high A ball is a little concerning. But you know, yeah. it's the rebuilding year, if you will, and and what, do you, might what can be... you lose, right? Just yeah. having him out there every fifth day, sixth day as as a reliever for an inning or two. I mean, I don't exactly. think it's really going to kill you. Exactly, exactly. If you really yeah. think he's, I guess, long term potential. Yeah, and he does have a a nice little arm that 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 does you know he does have a lot of potential. So yeah, that's we'll for see. sure. We'll see. Okay, folks. Well, I think we are all set. Um, uh, give Derek a follow again at uh, Derek NBC SD, or uh, you can read his work at NBC7.com uh, slash sports wrap. Um, I think we're about good to go. Patrick, you want to go through the specifics for us? As- yeah, give us a follow on Podbean. That's where we host. Uh, we're also on iTunes, so give us a review on there. That'd be much appreciated. Um as always, eastvillagetimes.com. Both me and James are on Twitter. Um, should we tell them about our next guest? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, this Thursday, Thursday morning, well, I guess tomorrow morning, we'll be talking to Mark Grant for the podcast. So, Definitely. long-time Padres uh, uh, play-by-play guy. We're excited to color to analyst, talk. I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely excited to talk to Mud. He's, he's definitely a great personality and... Uh, Look forward to uh, that in the next day or so. Uh, Hopefully it'll be out uh, Thursday, maybe Friday. We'll see. Yep. Sounds good. All right, folks. Thank you so much for for listening. Uh, Any questions or concerns or comments are greatly appreciated. Um, Peace Village Times podcast, signing out. (laughs) 